Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Well, everybody, I knew because of how it started that this game would not go well. I'll talk about it in just a second, but thanks for checking in to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Ravens postgame show. Robert here with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And Sean, you want to know how I knew this game was going to go bad? Tell me. Tell me more. Because minutes before the game, I leave my place to go do something. I come back, tried to turn on my Comcast Xfinity app, was planning to watch the game on there. It wasn't working. So my only choice was to watch the game with my antenna, which thankfully I had set up. But I live in an apartment, so I wasn't getting the clearest signal. So there was a lot of, you know, digital audio all through the first half. And I'm trying to see what's going on with the video. It's, you know, I can see enough. I I, I got the idea of most of the plays. Luckily, Sean, CBS, you know, their, their production quality is so poor that it wasn't like I missed a lot of good replays because they don't tend to give you a lot of good replays on CBS. <laughs> no, sorry about the technical issues that you had. It uh, appeared that the Texans had their own issues. If you could see and hear enough of that today, they looked like, uh, a team that was coached by a first-year NFL head coach, a first offensive court, first-year offensive coordinator and play caller, and a rookie quarterback, and a lot of it looked pretty close to, I think, what we all should have expected. It was certainly what I expected, but I think all said and done, pretty encouraging. Yeah, we're going to get to the encouraging. I, I want everybody though to get in the comments. We want to hear from you, but in the meantime, I want to unpack this game possession by possession. We'll start with the first defensive series. Grenard with a sack on third and two. Very good game for him. Four solo tackles, the sack, one QB hit, and two tackles for loss. But Sean, I wanted to ask you about the Texans' first offensive series because you had a three and out. Stroud with a pass deflected on second down and on third down, a long long screen that looked like uh, many Texans offenses in the past because it was a screenplay that took a while to set up and didn't go anywhere, but they get a roughing the punter penalty, making it fourth and short. What did you think about them going for it on fourth down with the rookie QB in his first series? I didn't mind the Texans going for it on that first fourth and one uh, because, you know, it, it wasn't like they had any momentum really going, but I, I thought that it was a really good, you know, effort for D'Amico to kind of instill confidence, you know, and to show the team because you, you've, you've heard him talk about the confidence that he has in his guys, but this is, you know, his first NFL regular season game. You got an opportunity to show the confidence that you have. I just thought, man, that the play call on the fourth and one, um, it took too long to develop. Like you needed to go with something quick there. Um, because the pass rush, you know, early going, it was dialed up. They were going to try to fluster Stroud, which they did. You know, I mean, he looked calm, cool, and collected. But, I mean, in terms of just the game, um, there wasn't much he could do. You had to get something going that was going to be able to hit fast, and they just couldn't do it. Yeah, I didn't like the play call because it was a lot of stuff going one direction. So you got to count on the Ravens doing something that they don't do. They don't make the mistake of not – this is a veteran – uh, team as far as staying at home and doing those sort of that was my problem it's just the play call on that situation yeah. because I, I'm all about taking chances especially if you're anywhere close to midfield or beyond that yeah um 
Look, I, that would have been about the only fourth down that I would have gone for outside of the one, you know, late in the game. I think it was like fourth and 13 on their second to final possession of the ball game. Um, the other one that was fourth and short around the same, uh, you know, area of the field, it just didn't make sense. But, you know, those are things like that's that's kind of having a pulse of the game. That's kind of understanding your capabilities, maybe. Right. Um, you know, the kind of style that you want to play with, you know, the mentality that you want to play with, but sometimes, you know, D'Amico's going to learn this. I guarantee you, you're going to hear it at least once today in his post-game press conference where it's on me. I'll have to do better, that sort of a thing. And it's going to be true because he's got to understand that, you know, the pulse that maybe he has from a, a player's perspective, the lens that he's viewing, calling this game from making the final decision, isn't always the one that, you need to have as a head coach. There's maybe a little bit different of a pulse, if you will. Yeah, D'Amico, I didn't have as much problem with in this game. But, of course, he's in charge with his coordinators, and I want to get to one of the coordinators as we move along in the game. But let's go to the next possession because MJ Nelson, an interception on the second series. Again, the Texans' offense, though, goes nowhere. A Tunsil holding penalty pretty much blew up that drive. Holding was very questionable, but the one I want to ask you about, third drive, Ravens go nine plays, 58 yards on a touchdown, ends with a four-yard TD run by Dobbins, and it reminded me way too much, I guess, of those, you know, just easy drives that we saw all last year, Sean. This this was very resembling that. We're going to get to a couple more that started the second half, but, you know, th- this is the type of stuff that that scares me because I feel like I've been watching this on replay the last couple of years already. Yeah, I mean, the drives, that drive looked a little bit easier for the Ravens, um, probably than it actually was. Um, You know, there was a missed tackle on a play that, you know, the Ravens ended up converting a first down on the right side. I never saw, they never showed the replay of that, and it just kind of flashed. And I don't know who actually was charged with that missed tackle, but it was a play that should have been made, uh, would have stopped well short, maybe you know, four or five yards short of the first down in that instance. And then, you know, the following play when Lamar was able to find Zay Flowers wide open between like a zone coverage, it was Tavier Thomas and Jalen Petrie. Petrie playing over the top. Thomas just kind of dropped back and sat down. And Flowers continued on his route near the left sideline. And it was an easy just pitch and catch uh, for Jackson and Flowers. I I just wondered if there was a mix-up. Um, if maybe Tavier should have carried Flowers a little bit deeper to Petrie, who, you know, seemed to fly over late. Um, I expected to see some type of miscommunication, you know, on, on in all facets of this game, really, just because it's new. There's so much so much new. Um, and we'd not seen Tavier in this type of a role um, really yet at all in, during his career. Um, you missed a little bit of Desmond King in that instance, I think. But you know, look, there's there's what made these drives and that particular one look a little bit easier. And I think it actually was it was good coverage outside of that particular play. But it's just Lamar Jackson's ability to just kind of extend plays and make things happen with his feet, which he did a number of times today, especially early on. So Stroud's third drive, he's got Robert Woods wide open down the field on second down, but just flat out missed him. It was very reminiscent of Davis Mills, where he just misses a wide open guy. I was a little frustrating. Zero first downs on Stroud's first three drives. I'm going to flip it positive on Stroud as we go along in this, Mm -hmm. Sean. But let's get to the Ravens' fourth drive where 
you know, it was the midfield. Jalen Petrie, safety blitz on third and 10. Good defensive play call by D'Amico. But let's get to that fourth Texans drive. Stroud finally with some first downs, thanks to Robert Woods. 15 play, 67-yard drive, nine minutes off the clock. They get a field goal. It ends when Bobby Slowick calls for a backward screen, third and five. And this is where I had my problems, Sean, with Bobby Slowick on the day. I started getting some Kubiak and O'Brien nightmares because just some kind of like giveaway screens on third and more distance. And not just that, the screens weren't to who you need them to be to, which is Tank Dell, your playmaker, or even Damian Pierce. It's to like, you know, Woods. I, I just didn't get the play call right there. I just, I, the play call, I don't like it, you know, to begin with outside of the result, but that play, the, the little screen to Noah Brown in that, on that third and five, um, I mean, it, it was a bad play call, but look, say what you will, you got to pick up the block and the initial block that needed to be made for that play to even have a chance wasn't made. And that's the problem with those screens run in any instance first or third down you have to have that initial block the only reason you do that is because you're putting that ball into a guy's hands who you feel like can make a play they give the ball to brown there because i think they believe he's a tough guy can get some yak um you know once he sticks his foot in the ground turn it up gain some momentum but it could have been dell it could have been woods it could have been anybody it doesn't make a damn difference if you don't pick up that initial block and i just you saw on that drive stroud taking chances, fitting balls into tight windows to Robert Woods, you know, to extend the drive initially on a third and five. Uh, that was awesome. Um, you know, uh, hit Woods again a few plays later for another first down. It looked like they'd hit a rhythm rhythm when he found Collins um, as well in back-to-back first down opportunities. So when you're facing another third and five and you want to extend that drive, you got to get something going towards the chains. I hate the idea. I hate the philosophy that, you know what, we're going to give it to a playmaker. Don't care who it is, but running anything behind the chains with that pass rush, with that swarm, swarming Ravens defense, I just didn't like it. The play calling bothered me a lot today, especially in those instances on third down. Yeah, it, it's not just that particular uh, play call. It's It's where you are on the field. Mm-hmm. When you make that play, you can get some room with the screen if you're, you've got a lot more open field in front of you. And I'm, I just mentioned Tank Dell because I looked at the end of the third quarter and Tank Dell had two targets total. And we had plays that were set up for guys specifically. None of them looked like they were set up, set up specifically for Tank Dell. And I just thought the Texans didn't do a good enough job of getting it into their playmakers. Look, Devin Singletary. And I want to say just a second on Devin Singletary, Sean. He's not looked good running the football, period. Uh, He's a good guy out of the backfield to catch passes, but he's not looked good running the football. And there were times in this game where I'm like, Damian Pierce has got 10 carries after three quarters where I just was like, can we not get Damian Pierce the ball a little bit more earlier in the game and get him established somewhat before we bring in Devin Singletary against a team that you knew was going to be coming all out at your quarterback. And and I just, I'm not happy with, you know, Devin Singletary period at this point and the way he's running the football. That's preseason and regular season so far. 
Yeah, it was it was tough for him. Just 21 yards on seven carries today. His best run, I think, came on his first touch, you know, which was pretty similar to the result that you'd saw from Damian Pierce get all day, which is, you know, four yards, you know, pretty good start. But it was tough for the Texans to kind of get into any rhythm running the football, um, even after running on first down. Just that Ravens defensive line, I think, was doing so many different things up front that – it became evident if you were passing it, if you were running it, there was just massive issues, I think, for the Texans on, you know, making those line calls, figuring out what the Ravens were going to do, stepping towards their blocks, holding their blocks. Um, and, and look, the penalties, they ended up costing the Texans a lot as well, killed some drives, especially on third down, made some manageable situations, just near impossible um, in some instances. But you know, the encouraging thing was, is that I never really saw anybody get rattled. You know, I never saw like early frustrations leak out of anybody, whether it be the offensive line, the running backs, or even CJ Stroud, or even the sidelines. So, you know, we're limited to what we can see, but I, I think in that sense, it's encouraging. And if you'd notice towards the end of the game, right at the end of the game, when Stroud was coming off, uh, before I guess he realized he was going to get the ball back on that final drive to to get some uh, free yards. Jonathan Grenard and Will Anderson, you know, both kind of dapped him up, said, hey, man, keep your head up. You know, it's okay. He did good today. And I think that's probably going to be the message throughout this team. It's like, hey, you know where we're at. We knew this was going to be a, a tough game, a litmus test. They probably wouldn't use that terminology, but it was, and it, it was going to be exactly just that. So you see where you're at right now. And I think you have to trust that, uh, you know, D'Amico Ryans and a lot of these veterans, you know, now's where you dig in and you put the real work in. Yeah, Sean, you're talking about attitude. I, I don't think Texans fans want to hear that right now. We want to see execution. We haven't seen execution for three years. Okay, execution. don't expect it from a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. I know you want to see it, but, I mean, let's be real about it. Yeah, I, well, my issue wasn't with the rookie head coach execution or the rookie quarterback. And we're going to – I talked about Slowick, but – you know, there was just a lot of guys. I'm talking about players out there that just were not doing their job. Uh, of course, a lot of that's the offensive line. I'm going to get to that in a second. But let's get to the next Ravens possession. Petrie, again, safety blitz on third down, forces an incompletion. Unfortunately, that's the last we saw of him because of a chest injury. But D'Amico dialing it up on defense. And I, and I was happy for the most part with D'Amico and the way he dialed it up on defense and tried to mix things up and stuff like that. It was just guys I felt like weren't executing for him the way they should have. That leaves Stroud with his first shot at a two-minute drill. And this is the good thing with the game because he goes 11 plays, 68 yards, one minute 54, sets up a fair bear and field goal. Yeah, he got huge help from a roughing the passer on third and 15. But you talk about this team not losing composure you're talking about C.J. Stroud because he was the one guy I thought out there that showed total composure the whole game, despite the fact that he was dealing with jailbreaks a lot of time from the offensive line, an offensive line, given that they're banged up, but they just didn't look like they knew where to be. You know, they, they, they weren't picking up the stunts that the Ravens were doing and stuff like that. But C.J. Stroud, you know, just, you know, he kept it together the whole time. And that two minute drill was something that just I, I thought, OK, he, he's, he's doing stuff now. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, for him to be as calm, cool, collected, composed, that was that was 
probably the most encouraging thing for the entire day. Now, when you really talk football, football, just being able to, you know, just out of sight, out of mind, you know, just trusting your ability, fitting balls into tight windows, not being able to, not being afraid to, you know, make certain throws. There was one, you know, and I kind of got nervous during the broadcast of these guys talking about, you know, updating uh, what Richardson was doing with the Colts, what Young was doing with the Panthers, you know, all these other rookie quarterbacks, you know, around the league and performances. And man, look at what Burrow and Watson are looking like right now in that battle. Um, CJ Stroud hasn't, you know, uh, thrown an interception yet. And I felt like two minutes after they had said that initially, you know, he throws an out route where it was completed to Robert Woods by like that much, man, just a hair on your chinny chin chin, where there was a great stop identification by the corner who almost jumped that route, but didn't. And it was like, wow, you know, that still like it was a completion, but that might be a read that maybe Stroud wishes he had back, you know, go back at the film and see who else he maybe could have thrown the ball to there. But I think all in all, from a football sense, you didn't see any, you know, throws where you were like, man, why, why, what was he seeing there? Maybe there was one, maybe there was one. I had to go back and look, but I think that's another encouraging sign that you saw today from Stroud. Yeah. And that's been the theme all through, we talked about it through preseason. We talked about it through training camp, you know, and, and, you know, we saw some interceptions, you know, in training camp, but. For the most part, Stroud has looked pretty good outside of that first drive, you know, his first drive period in preseason. Mm-hmm. He's looked pretty good as far as taking care of the football. Yeah. Well, and, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, even the interceptions in training camp, he had a really, I'm not going to say bad, but he threw the bulk of his interceptions and in probably, I don't know, four practices, you know, like a, it was, it was, it was all kind of bunched together. And that was like midway through camp. And as it went along, it was like, you know what? The maybe maybe the one thing you really worry about with Stroud is not throwing interceptions, but it's holding on to the ball too long. And you know how much of that is actually, you know, the receiver's just an ability to get open, or him being flushed from the pocket because protection breaks down. I think that um, more than anything else today, it was pretty evident that look, this offensive line, it's going to be what it's going to be for at least the next month. Right. So they've got to figure out a way to kind of shore some things up. Bobby Slowick, I think, going to really look, uh, take a long, hard look at his play calling and in certain situations and say, you know what, I got to put Stroud in a better position to make a play here. Let him get the ball out faster, not trust. You know, this might be a great play built for pretty solid protection. They didn't get that today, and they're not going to be facing, you know, a top two defense every single week like the Ravens in this pass rush and, you know, the different stunts and twists that these linebackers and ends like to run. But um, I, I would say just that in and of itself um, really rang true today. He held the ball too long, and I still think it's a fair criticism, even though there's instances where – that one, he rolled out to his left, took a big sack. I think it was like 11 or 12-yard yeah, loss. Yeah, that, Nothing he could do about it himself. You can't say get get rid of the ball. His body's not in position to do that. And right. if he does, then that's real disaster. But it's slow at putting him in position and him recognizing, you know what, I just I got to get rid of the ball faster. Like, don't allow my body to be in that position. Don't try to, you know, extend, extend, extend. I think you did see a little bit of that today from Stroud. Yeah, there was a couple of times you 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 beat me to the punch because that's the first drive of the second half. He's running for his life. Mm-hmm. First play of the half, he takes that 11-yard sack, another three and out. 
the Ravens just walk it down the field the next drive. Eight plays, 71-yard drive. Justice Hill with a short TD run, making it worse. The Texans get an offsides penalty on the extra point. So the Ravens go for two, and it's 15-6. to six. And, man, that, that was the frustrating thing, Sean. They, they, they just seem to compound their own errors with the penalties. And it just, I don't know, it, you just felt like the penalties were always at, at these real crucial junctures. But I yeah. guess when you're a, a team that's not that good, they all seem crucial when you can't move the ball and you can't stop anybody at times. No, I mean, but it, it felt that way really because it was. And that's what teams, you know, already kind of behind the eight ball, you know, uh, y- it, it, it's it's hard to avoid because there is so much new and that this was the first time these guys were on the field together in an actual setting that matters. You know, it's your first, first game for a lot of guys, but first game where everything matters. And look, it was, if it wasn't Laramie Tunsil fall starting, if it wasn't a phantom hold, if it wasn't, um, you know, other legitimate penalties, um, you know, holding pass interference, stuff like that. It's, those are things where against really good teams, I think I said this to you the other day or somebody when we were talking about it, they were like, hey, what do you expect? And I said, well, you know what? At the end of the day, I expect win or lose for the Texans to look like a team that's just not as talented, you know, or not as experienced. And that's exactly what you saw. And it came down to, you know, the penalties and just execution. Funny thing is, is at halftime, I tweeted this out. I was I was looking at the penalties. It was nine penalties for 82 yards for the Ravens and just maybe like four for the Texans at that point in time. And the time of possession, the Texans won it. They were in the ball game. If you just took a snapshot of the box score and you didn't know any better, I think you would have thought that this was not a game in Baltimore, but rather this feels and looks like a game at NRG Stadium because of the penalties. It didn't look like a team that was being rattled by the environment and the noise and all of this and that. As the game went along, it certainly, you know, turned out to be as such, though. Yeah, the first half, there was a penalty on Tunsil that most of us thought he didn't deserve on a holding. Yeah, it was One weird. of the penalties was on MJ Nelson, which was a pass interference. I believe he had a pass interference, which it cost you a lot of yards. So the yardage was not – the number of penalties was, was uh, definitely in the Ravens' favor, but the yardage was pretty close because of that MJ Nelson. I think it was a 26-yard penalty or something like that. Now the Texans next – Oh, the, Steve, the Steven Nelson PI. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Not M- MJ Steven. Yeah. You're Steven meshing the two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put, I, I, I made him into one person. Um, Texans next drive fourth and a half yard or so on their side of the field. Texans try to rush up to the line, but for some reason, which I didn't understand, they didn't explain it. The refs don't let the Texans snap the ball at that point, Sean, that's where I pull the plug on going for it. And this is my yeah. only big issue with the Miko, the whole game. Because the, the first fourth down, I thought, okay, not terrible, but I don't like the play call. That's not D'Amico. This is D'Amico because you got a Ravens team that's now ready to set up. And it wasn't just they, they were ready. It was like it was almost as though there had been a timeout call. So they had all day for this. And I just didn't agree with this going for it right there. It just didn't make any sense at all. 100%. Um, you're right even with your technical issues and watching this game, you know, with your feed, um, I was, I had to go look on Twitter and and see what was going on there, why it took so long. And I think that the ex, I found this explanation a couple of times that there was a substitution made. And so because the Texans were making a sub, the Ravens were allowed to make a sub 
and then you go and you play that fourth down. Well, I agree with you, and I think everybody does. At that point in time, you have to squash it because the the whole idea of going for it in that instance where you're at on the field, which is what, like around your own 45, 46-yard line, whatever it was, pretty close to midfield, same area where you'd failed before, and what you did before doesn't matter, but it's about having that pulse. D'Amico, I think if you asked him with a gun to his head today, if he'd felt like the urgency of situations, he'd have to say no going back and looking at it. And that was one of those instances where I'd felt like he'd felt it initially, but because it was so, it took so darn long to get it going, he was just hell bent on like, you know what, let's go, let's go, doesn't matter, we're, we're doing this. And you just can't do it. I mean, 10 times out of 10, you have to punt the ball there. Yeah, it's the feel of the game. And this is what you need to see from head coaches. Mm -hmm. So Stingley commits an obvious pass interference, which kind of mars a game where he was pretty quiet, meaning, you know, we didn't see him doing a lot of other bad stuff. But this sets up the second straight Ravens touchdown, 22 to 6. But, Sean, here, here was what was more disappointing for me than any of that was the, it was the Texans' offensive, their first offensive play after those two terrible defensive possessions. They couldn't get a play in and had to call a timeout. I feel like it's unforgivable to not get a play in after a kickoff. No reason why you shouldn't have a play before you walk out on the field after a long timeout like that, which, you know, they, they didn't just have the touchdown, but they had the long timeout too. Yeah, and that was, you know, I just got done talking about the urgency um, and the pulse being wrong for, for D'Amico. You could see this play out on your television screen. At that instance, the Texans were done a solid by, by the referees, in my opinion, and, and even have, granting them the timeout. The play clock had already hit zero before D'Amico nonchalantly calls for timeout. They didn't have to give it to him. It was like somebody's in his ear. They're talking about a play or what what had just happened or something like that. And they're like, oh, call a timeout. And he's like, oh, yeah, timeout. It was late. And the Texans got that. And it's just that's another instance where I just if you're if you're a head coach, you've got to be dialed into the game, not what just happened on defense, not what is coming up on offense. You have guys to do that. You have got to have the pulse in the game. And I think that's an area where D'Amico's going to have to improve. That's an area in which everybody's going to have to but, improve. But that's but not, not the only one that needs to call the timeout. That's there. not a lot his. Of other... No, 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 no. I, I'm saying that's not his job. Yeah, you had to call a timeout there. It's not D'Amico's fault that they had to call a timeout there. The problem is Bobby Slowick, first-time offensive coordinator, I, I, I just was not impressed with him in this game at all. You, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. I'm I'm not impressed. And that, to me, is just, you know, that's offensive coordinator 101. Have your play ready so there isn't any miscommunication issues because that's what it looked like. It looked like there was, you know, they're trying to get the play in. I'm like, why are what? I, I never understand this. Why are you waiting to put a play in? Why don't you have a play set up when you walk out on the field? You know your personnel, Sean, already. When you walk out on the field, it's not like you're going to sneak personnel in and off at this point. It's it's a, it, This is 101 stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I get it from the surface level on that sense, but you never know what's going on behind the scenes. And I guess, you know, you have to imagine that they're trying, they they understand what personnel they have on the field, certainly, or maybe they don't because there was an instance in this game where Stroud's calling for another guy to come into the huddle and you already had 11 guys in the huddle. Either way, that's, so, that's on Bobby Slowick. If it's a well, person, if they I mean, didn't have the right personnel in for that particular play, which I, it didn't seem it's like guys on were trying everybody, to run. Everybody, Robert, it's it, on it, everybody. It, it didn't look Slowick, like guys were trying to run in. Even if the play's not in, you gotta call a timeout. And I'm just telling you, while they well, he did, he called, it was no, he called the timeout. He called I know the timeout. he did, but it was late. And my point is, is that they didn't have but, to give but, it to him. It was it, late it, coming in. I, I don't care about that. I mean, that's to <laughs> me talking semantics. He, to me, he got the timeout. He got the timeout. Okay, he did the right. D'Amico. I mean, D'Amico was paying attention. Bill O'Brien oh. would have probably been looking at his <laughs> his know. play card or something like that. He was paying attention, and the timeout was was they gave it to him. So I'm not going to give him a, a mark off. This is all Slowick. You know, this is a Slowick issue. Well, yeah, Slowick had his issues, and in that particular instance, you got to have a play ready to go. You had the time to do it. Um, we're talking really about two different things here. You're wanting to, you know, kind of get the sword into Slowick a little bit. I'm just telling you, you know, let's not totally uh, ignore what D'Amico was doing in that instance. But yes, they all have their faults here. And um, he would just think that, okay, drive like that. Bobby Slowick is getting ready and has something in mind to quickly respond. And he didn't, apparently. So. Yeah. That's my issue. That's my issue. Okay. I mean, the time, I mean, I don't care about the timeout because it was done on time. I'm not going to argue over something that didn't happen. Well, so but it, I, it I don't care wasn't, about that. It wasn't on time. That's all. That's, that was my point is it wasn't made on time. They well, the officials, the officials gave it to him. So that's all I care. You know, um, anyway, Josh Jones uh, picks up a holding penalty, which kills that drive. His second holding penalty. Josh Jones did not look at le- good at left guard, which is mm. kind of what we thought. Uh, and the other thing about Josh Jones not looking good at left guard is what happens later. And I, I want to say that. Don't say anything about that. Don't spoil that yet, Sean. But um, Stroud throws a good pass on a third down scramble. Hard to tell if Robert Woods should have caught it. Mm-hmm. But I thought Stroud, again, the poise. He gets outside. They're coming after him. You know, I mean, the stuff that he's had to get out of in the preseason, the regular season, it, it's crazy. And it's, you know, you could say, well, you know, he should have like been able to, you know, read something and throw it real quick. But the the stuff that he's having to get out of this, the rushes are are instant. They are right on him in a second. Guys are running in unimpeded. But I thought he did a good job getting outside. And I couldn't tell Sean. You tell me, did did Robert Woods have a shot at that ball that, that he threw down there? You I mean, what? it was another low one. You know, Woods and Brown, uh, you know, made some nice catches on some low balls by Stroud today. Um, should he have caught it? I mean, that was probably the lowest one that Stroud did throw to Woods. You know, he'd made the catch earlier. Um, I mean, He loved Woods in this game. Ten targets. He caught six passes, 57 yards. Sure. Give your props to Robert Woods for some really good route running. Um, <laughs> Woods was also probably one of the reasons why Stroud ended up taking one of those sacks. I think it was probably his first one for a significant loss there. Uh, Woods slipped off the line, but um, and he was probably the hot on that one, um, I, if I was just to kind of guess, because I remember thinking, like, man, those route concepts just don't look – you know, you're looking for one guy in that instance, and Woods, it looked like he was running like a little snag route just behind the linebackers. But 
Um, now I don't, I don't think he should have caught it. I just think that was a tough ball and a, a, at least a really solid effort by Stroud to just get that ball out and give a guy somewhat of a chance. But because you'd seen Woods make that play before, it's just that, that was a tough ass. Kind of like the the one that Noah Brown people felt like Noah Brown should have made, you know, earlier in the preseason that sliding little attempt. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's tough, you know. And hey, look, you made one today. Yeah, uh, the Ravens fumble it uh, on their possession. MJ Stewart falls on it, his second big play of the game. It's, it was two turnovers for him, right, Sean? MJ, yeah. Yeah, and, and the Texans with a chance to get back into it, but Stroud sacked on first and goal. That sack, well-executed, delayed blitz by Roquan. We saw a couple of times, you mentioned this earlier, Sean, where Stroud maybe held the ball too long before he could get rid of it. Uh, what did you think about that one? Did he have a chance, you know, because – Rokron was kind of hiding behind the offensive tough. line. Do you feel like he 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 could have gotten rid of it or it was just all happened too fast for him? Yeah, I mean, that was it it turned out to be like a beautiful thing for the Ravens because you mentioned, you know, Roquan was kind of hidden behind the other defender um who was being blocked up pretty well. I guess in that instance it was Jones or maybe Mason it was, but it looked like just a, a delayed twist. That's what it, that's how it turned out. And so Stroud steps up into the pocket because he doesn't see Roquan. Um, and it's kind of like, man, damned if you do, damned if you don't, because it's a good, good job by Stroud, you know, in his mind, extending the play from the pressure already coming. And, you know, your O-line picks up that block. He steps up and it's like, man, what are you going to do? You just didn't see Roquan there in that instance. I, I can't kill him for that. That was just kind of uh it, it was it was a really good play by the defense, um, but they had so many guys come free today. Clowney, you know, looked like he came free about three or four different times and ended up getting to Stroud at least twice, I think it was. And it, against this Ravens defense, to me, I have to just kind of dumb it down to the inability, if it's Patterson, if it's Mason, to just not being able to be on the same page with the line calls, not understanding what they're seeing uh, from this defense. It just it happened far too often, much more in the first half. Um, And then it looked like they kind of figured things out and they were able to sustain that nine minute drive. And it was like, okay, you know, you you figured some stuff out. You let your quarterback get into a rhythm. But there's just so many different things that Mike McDonald threw their way today. Um, it was a good learning experience. I have to say that, if anything else, for this line and C.J. Stroud. <laughs> yeah, learning experiences. Uh, Texans fans, again, probably sick of learning experiences. So the Texans defense, and you talked about the offensive line because we're going to get to it, but their defense makes a stop. So Stroud, the offense, with one more decent chance, I would say. Mm-hmm. But after a big play past midfield to Nico, really well executed, a chunk play, George Fant on that play goes down with an injury. Yeah. John, I expected, maybe you expected, they bring in Michael Dieter, who you were right, that they brought back up. Uh, check one for Sean right here. He was right. They they brought Dieter back up off the practice squad for the game, but they moved Josh Jones back to right tackle. And instead, I hear the broadcast crew say, Dieter's playing right tackle. And I thought, uh-oh. And guess who gives up the sack fumble on the next play is Dieter. And Crazy. It, it just, I, this is a get, I, I don't know whose call this is. I assume this is Bobby Slowick's call or the uh, offensive line call. There, there was just some in game stuff with Slowick and this offensive line period that coaching or whatever 
that just it felt like they were unprepared. They felt like they made some mistakes like on the fly. I just hated that. Yeah. Um, it was for one play because Dieter flipped to left guard in Jones to right tackle the next series. So that told me that it is quite possible that it had to be a miscommunication in that instance. Granted, it's right after an injury, so you have time to digest what you're doing. It's not like, all right, go out there, hurry up, you know? No, it was an injury. Okay, we're going to put Dieter in it, right tackle. It'll be fine. We're going to run this. Dieter didn't play tackle at all in the preseason. He played left guard. He's very comfortable, and he played left guard most of the time next to Jared Patterson, the guy that he was playing next to. So it just – and Josh Jones showed he was one of the better right tackles in football last year. I know they're trying – they're, I think they're going overboard trying to keep Josh Jones at the same position where it's like, no, you have a quarterback that is a rookie quarterback and you're putting out a guy that you basically haven't played right tackle. And it's not a right. He's not really a right tackle. Maybe he's played it in, in his life, but that's not what he's done in the NFL. And so that to, to me says he's not a right tackle. Well, he's not right because he hadn't played it. So He's just not. Dieter was a guard center, you know, in Miami, and he's been a guard center here with the Texans, you know, for the six months that he's been here. So um, I'm trying to talk myself through it as I'm watching this, and I'm like, okay, well, it's just gross negligence, malpractice, and flat-out stupid if, in fact, they don't make this switch for the next series. They made the switch, but it was still curious to me why, when you had so much time to decide on what to do in that instance with Fant dealing with the injury and going down, why you roll the dice there. I, I just, I don't understand it. That is certainly a question that has to be asked, and I'm sure by now it has been asked, hopefully, uh, to D'Amico Ryan's, why they made that decision when they did, why they did it. Um, it can never happen again because that is literally the epitome, the polar opposite, the polar opposite, not the epitome, but the polar opposite of putting your players in the best possible situation to succeed. Um, thinking on the fly, it's very difficult in new roles, but to some degree, it's just the simple things and you had time to make the right decision and you didn't. So hopefully this is one you can just kind of excuse away. You got lucky that nobody got hurt on that next play after Fant went down and you can improve significantly on your decision-making on the fly going forward. Yeah, Sean, I just thought we would see an offensive coordinator finally that I was a little bit more excited about. And I just didn't, did not see that. I was not happy with what I saw on the offensive side of the football from a coaching standpoint. On the defensive side of the football, I'm going to throw something out there for you. We talked about it before this game in, the, in, the, in our, uh, in our uh, show the other day. Mm-hmm. I said, like, the key is the run game. And who stops the run game? And do the Texans look any better in the run game? Well, the run game itself for the Texans was not anything special. They got 72 rushing yards, 3.1 yards per carry. It was not good. Like I said, I would have liked to see more Damian Pierce. I would have liked to see Damian Pierce get into a rhythm. However, let's just go glass half full on this. There was 110 yards by the Ravens on 32 attempts. That means 3.4 yards per carry. For the worst rush defense in the NFL, this is progress. 
Yeah, I thought it was significant progress, to be honest with you, because, you know, run game or even the pass game. I mean, outside of that one ball to Zay Flowers, where he was just wide open in the middle of a zone coverage, but probably a blown coverage at the end of the day, there were just wasn't explosive plays, right? And that, to me, was the biggest thing. And while there are, were some missed tackles, those numbers, the rushing numbers, uh, against the Texans probably look a little bit worse. You know, instead of 32 for 110, you might be looking at 32 for nine or, you know, 28 for 90, something like that, right? And you feel even that much better about it. You're going to have missed tackles in a game. It happens, but it's when it's just, you know, over and over and over. And you can clearly see that, hey, man, this is an issue. This isn't just being out of position. This is maybe a question of uh, you ain't got the right guy back there or, they're just being asked to do way too much. And I think, you know, it just kind of compounds. Today was really encouraging, to be honest with you, in that regard. You take away the yards that Lamar, even just half, he was six carries for 38 yards and did most of that because the coverage was so damn good in the secondary. Did most of that because the pressure applied by the Texans' defensive line was so good that he had to flush the pocket, escape, and try to extend a play. Um and I think even then there's areas to clean up where Anderson, you know, knifes in. He's lined up as uh, as a nine or a seven, and he attacks B-gap, and then there's no backer to fill, you know, the edge. There's nobody to sit and squeeze and stay home. You give the running lane away to Lamar Jackson in that instance. Those are things defensively that I think D'Amico uh, can clean up, uh, you know, schematically uh, because what you saw today from guys like Anderson from Jonathan Grenard boy how awesome was it to see him get into the backfield on the regular Jerry Hughes uh, Denzel Perryman makes some plays Jalen Petrie was a force and I I sure would like to have seen this thing play out with him on the field in the second half I know MJ Stewart did some good things too but Petrie um, you know, made some plays, caused Lamar Jackson to have to get rid of the football earlier than he wanted to when he'd come free on like a stab play, you know, a blitz here and there. Um, all things encouraging, you know, in terms of stopping the run, imposing your will and trying to make that an identity for yourself defensively. Yeah, definitely a good sign. Yeah. And of course, the defense falls apart at the beginning of the third quarter. After Jalen Petrie goes down, they also don't have Jimmy Ward for this game, which we should mention. So you're out your two starting yeah. safeties, which we were excited about. One thing you were definitely excited about for this team was they had two really good starting safeties. We figured that the secondary would be a real, you know, that, that would be a real boon to this team. It would be one of the better parts of the team was the secondary. Mm-hmm. Now, Sean, we got to talk about the offensive line because – you know, Noel asked this question, is the team prepared to take four injuries to the O-line? He says, George Dieter, he, he makes one of my cardinal mm-hmm. errors and puts two guys together, but I know what he's talking about. Dieter at right tackle, scary thought. Yeah, we agreed on that, but you talk about, can they take more to the offensive line, Sean? Who can take this much to the offensive line? They now have lost Quesenberry, their starting center. Uh, they've lost Juice Scruggs, their backup center. They've lost their starting left guard in Kenyon Green. They've lost their starting right tackle in Titus Howard. They've lost their backup title, uh, backup tackle in, in, in uh, Fant, and their other backup tackle, Jones, is playing guard. I mean, there's no team that can be prepared to lose four offensive linemen. It's just you can't do that 
especially when two of those guys are first round picks and you're depending a lot on those and another guy's a second round pick. Yeah. No, I mean, you can't afford to lose anybody else, uh, especially for a significant amount of time because Scruggs is out for a month. Um, you know, I don't know what the status of George Fant's going to be. Who knows? Um, the main thing is, is to <laughs> make sure Dieter's healthy and Jones is healthy. You gave up a fifth round pick to get Jones in. You got this whole next week now to probably make another shift and put him in a familiar position and that's right tackle for him. So if Fant's out for any extended period of time, and hopefully he's not, because I like Fant at right tackle, um, you keep Fant at right tackle, you got Dieter at left guard, or maybe, you know, after they look at this game, they still deem that, you know what, Jones is going to be our left guard. I could even roll with that. As long as there's some sort of consistency here, I wouldn't kick, the notion out of bed that maybe Dieter is the left guard going forward um, and Jones is the right tackle. Uh, if Fant has to miss some time, you get a good solid week, um, you know, and really by the time that these guys are coming back healthy uh, three weeks together, there's an opportunity to put something there that you're not going to face again, a Ravens defensive line next week. Okay. You've got the Colts. And then I think you got the Steelers coming up pretty soon. Um, it's, it's going to always be tough, but it ain't going to be as tough as what you face today. So I think to some degree, you have to be slightly encouraged that you're able to patch this thing together and get the result that you did today. And you almost got through two thirds of the game, keeping CJ Stroud as clean as possible with just the one sack. And you could make the argument that that was kind of self-imposed that he held the ball too long in that instance, but. It was the hits, it was the pressures, and the inability to just create a rhythm because he was under the gun so much early on. Steve says this won't be a playoff year. Got to get more help in the offseason. There's nobody, not. N- n- nobody, nobody, not us, not anybody in Houston. Only your, you know, Homer fans thought that they were going to be a playoff team, so we're not going to disagree with you there. Sean, I want to just throw up some numbers for you. C.J. Stroud, 28 of 44. 242 yards, uh, 78 passer rating, you know, nothing spectacular, but uh, he was okay in his first game. You know, there's room for improvement, obviously. As far as the rushing yards, Damian Pierce, 11 carries, 38 yards. C.J. Stroud, four for 20. Like I said, Devin Singletary, seven for 15 yards. Should he be getting the backup running back minutes at this point? I, I get it. He's the veteran. But what have we seen? where this guy has shown any sort of juice or ability to see the hole in, in, in the last few weeks. I just don't see it right now. I mean, you haven't seen it in the game. Uh, I've seen it plenty in practice. Um, and the one comp, there's nothing because you didn't give Mike Boone any carries today. You used him as a pass catcher out of the backfield, and he didn't do that very well either. Um, granted, you know, the one that he bobbled that he clearly should have had I mean, so what, four yards in a pile of dust when and I think that was a third and long situation. There were many of those today for the Texans. What would it have really mattered anyway? Um, but you didn't give Boone any opportunity to really do that either. So um, this is a big week of practice. Uh, obviously, you know, I thought it was pretty curious that, you know, the Texans gave Pierce felt like two straight series of rest offensively. And you kind of wondered, like, hey, where is this dude? Is he hurt? Is he banged up? What? No, they just figured they'd give a different look to Singletary. And yeah. I wonder why that is. That's another question that I'd be curious to to have somebody ask today, certainly tomorrow, 
in D'Amico's press conferences. What was the thinking behind that? Were you concerned that maybe Damian, um, you know, was struggling picking up a blitz, um, you know, from the Ravens? Did you feel like you couldn't afford to have him out there in certain instances? Was he hitting the wrong hole? What, what, did, what were you seeing? Um, so I'd be curious there, but it's definitely going to be a, you know, work in progress because, I think we all can agree that we liked what we'd seen from Mike Boone. There was even conversation that, you know what, maybe at some point this season, this dude is the backup running back to Damian Pierce. But at the end of the day, it ain't going to make a hill of beans unless your offensive line can get on the same page. Like I yeah, saw. I, 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 no, I, I'm, I don't judge Devin Singletary by the offensive line. He's not getting hit in the backfield. There are places where I see he can get through. If you think that, that's fine. Put me in the other category. I don't feel like this is an offensive line issue with Singletary. I've seen a guy that just not, he's not getting enough yards. By the way, this just in real quick, Aaron mm -hmm. Wilson uh, says that uh, Petrie suffered a bruised lung. He was coughing up blood at one point, and he may remain overnight in Baltimore as mm -hmm. a precautionary measure. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think we could all agree it probably didn't happen on the pressure um, of Lamar Jackson. I thought the same thing that that had to be something where it was like, you know, they need me for this play. I'm sticking it out. I made the play. Now I got to get out of here. Whatever happened, happened earlier in that game. And it just became exacerbated as time went on. Uh, I don't know what situations, you know, look like going forward when you have a, uh, an, a lung injury and you're coughing up blood, but my God, hopefully, you know, they handle that situation because this team's going to be this team's going to be hurting without Jalen Petrie in that secondary. Um, MJ Stewart serviceable today, you know, created two turnovers, um, you know, made some nice plays. But you need Jalen Petrie back there. You need uh, Jimmy Ward back there because having a veteran, um, you might not even have to throw to his side of the field. He might even be out of the picture on your screen. It's just, you know, in a huddle the knowledge that he can drop like, Hey, here's what I'm seeing. Look out for this here. Make sure you get deeper in your drop. Make sure you carry your guy to the safety. Make sure you do this, that, and the other thing. Um, those are all invaluable things that uh, you'd be missing without, uh, you know, both of those guys going forward. Hopefully they can both get back healthy for next week. Our friend, John Crumpler has these numbers on CJ Stroud against the blitz. He was six of 10, 67 yards, eight or 80 passing rating. No blitz, 22 of 34, 175 yards, 77.5 passer rating. So he did pretty good against the blitz, considering his numbers are slightly better than they were uh, against no blitz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm kind of surprised to hear those numbers against the blitz. It didn't feel that way, right, when you're watching this one. Um, but maybe I think that lends itself to, you know, his, his, his poise and Robert Woods. You know, his sure hands today, he came up with a lot of those, you know, on uh, third and uh, mid, third and long situations to extend drives for the Texans. And so um, it's good to have, you know, that safety valve there. And did you hear Dalton Schultz's name called more than one time today on a little swing pass to him in the backfield? Because I sure did. And he was supposed to be uh, said safety valve for C.J. Stroud. Um Today yeah. it was Woods. We'll see what it looks like going forward. Yeah, let let me just go through those stats and and, and just uh, a bit here. Nico Collins six catches, eighty yards. Robert Woods six catches, fifty-seven yards. Tank Dell three for thirty-four. Noah Brown three for twenty. 
Mike Boone, three for 18 live. That was that uh, sort of mop-up drive at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, Dalton Schultz, only two catches, four yards. He had four targets. So, yeah, the Dalton Schultz that you were hoping was going to be a safety valve for him wasn't really. And I don't even know if Tank Dell was no. the, the safety valve. Robert Woods seemed to be the guy that he went to more often than not. So you don't know whether that's, Sean, a deal with C.J. Stroud or if that's just how the offense was set up and that's what was what was available to him. Yeah, I mean – Maybe Schultz really isn't that surprising today because you knew you were anticipating, you know, a heavy rush and, you know, some exotic things from them defensively. So you keep Schultz in to be more of a blocker, um, you know, block and release guy. And, you know, we saw plenty of times today Stroud getting flushed from the pocket and um, probably just couldn't even think about him being a part of the equation. You know, Woods running a lot of those, uh, you know, little stop uh, in you know, hot routes, crossing routes. Uh, out routes that was going to be your your best chance at times today and Stroud made good more times than not on him I just I thought it was curious all game long like I'd I'd be interested to see the snap count totals for Tank Dell today you probably count them on I feel like maybe you need three hands um maybe uh, maybe just two I don't know I just didn't feel like you saw him near enough I figured you'd make him an integral part of the the game plan today because of the fear of you Seeing this type of a rush, CJ being flushed in the pocket, asked to get rid of the ball very quickly. Dell has been that guy for CJ Stroud throughout the training camp, throughout the preseason. And it made me question like, man, what what do they feel like Dell isn't prepared for? Because it sure doesn't look like they have issues with his route running. It sure doesn't look like they have issues with his ability to make plays with his hands as a receiver. He's gone up and got him, gone down and got him. You know, Stroud's hit him in stride. Like, what is it? I think at the at, at the end of the day, uh, a complete miss by Bobby Slowick in this Texans offensive game plan to not include Dell in it in C.J. Stroud. In his first NFL game, it was just pretty unthinkable for me. Now, Bobby Slowey's got to show up next week. That's for sure. Uh, defensively, we talked about Grenard and MJ Stewart. But the leading tackler with 11 tackles, six solo, one tackle for loss was Denzel Perryman. Tavier Thomas had eight tackles, six solo, one tackle for loss. Christian Harris, six tackles, four solo. Will Anderson, six tackles, four solo, a sack. He had a tackle for a loss and two quarterback hits. What about those four guys? What did you think about that? Uh, again, I, I think I mentioned Perryman earlier. Um, he's that thumper, the man that, that this Texans defense the last few years had been missing. Uh, I really, he is one of the most important players uh, on this defense. There's no question about that. It's stopping the run. Uh, no question. And I, I thought he did a really good job today. Uh, Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, um, Jerry Hughes, I think, um, just impact players. I think this is the first time what somebody said this stat earlier. It was in the broadcast, uh, Will Anderson getting his first sack in his first ever NFL game. Like how often does that happen? Apparently not very many times. Um, I think it's maybe the first ever Texans rookie to get a sack, uh, on their first week of play. I don't even think JJ Watt did that, but, um, he was in the backfield in the first play of the game. 
the the way that D'Amico has decided to use him, and there's going to be some adjustments because I think if you're the Colts and you know future Texans opponents, you're going to look and see what they did defensively today against the Ravens and think, you know what? Yeah, we can exploit this, especially if you have a mobile quarterback because um, Anderson was asked today to just head down, go get the quarterback. And at times when he was asked to, you know, attack B-gap, they had no linebacker, no walk-down safety, nobody there for outside contain. And that's where Lamar Jackson and their run game, whether it be Hill or Dobbins, really hurts you, especially down towards the red zone. So uh, I think there are some things you can clean up there. But the most encouraging thing from the defense is that all of those guys that you just mentioned, and you probably left some off, they've got some impact players. And you just hope that you can return everybody that you started this game with today that even played today next week because the Texans are going to need all of them. I think that in and of itself is going to help this offense, um, you know, see a little bit more success, some shorter fields because they got the propensity to make some plays, create turnovers, fumble interceptions, and just cause havoc in the backfield. Yeah, Jimmy Ward's supposed to be back next week by the reporting that we're hearing about Luke uh, on the comments and – we're about to close it down. So if you haven't said anything, we've been on for an hour. We've given you guys some time to talk. He asked, how long can the defense carry this team before their Good performance question. is affected? Yeah, I mean, we saw it last year. There, As the year went on, you, you felt, and the games went on typically, the defense started to look worse because they're on the field the whole time. And Sean, we were just hoping something was going to be a little bit different. And again, I'm just going to go back to two things that we just keep harping on, but we harp on because – it's it's where it all starts. The offensive line is in big trouble, and it's been in big trouble since we found out about all these injuries, number one. Number two, you know, I was hoping to see something more from Bobby Slogan than I saw in his first game. Yeah. And and I if I am if I feel like I'm watching Pep Hamilton again by week four or five, it's, it's bad news for the Texans. Yeah, it didn't feel like that to me, especially in, in – from the way that they used the personnel today uh, outside of treating tank Dell kind of like they did Damian Pierce last year, that that's got to change. Um, you got to put your best players on the field and you got to put them in the right positions to make plays the first time. And every time uh, Bobby Dieter Jones, flip them, keep it there. Um, as far as, you know, that drive, I think, what was it, like 15-play, almost a nine-minute drive, right, where the Texans had to settle for three early right. in this game. To me, that almost extended this game by a quarter, you know, because the defense, it was it was tough, man. You'd missed fourth down opportunities. They're busting their butt on short fields. And, I mean, they're making plays, but how how long can that be sustainable for Um, It's a good question by Luke because now you're a little bit more banged up. You were already banged up missing Robert Woods, uh, which was huge in this game. You mean, you mean, not Robert Woods, Woods, but uh, Jimmy Ward. You were already missing Jimmy Ward for this game. Now you got to hope that Jalen Petrie's, you know, going to be at full strength next week. I don't know if he is. I don't know how quickly a freaking lung heals. You're coughing up blood from, I I, I don't know. Um, But, there are always things that, you know, guys, that you play it out and you, you see them on the injury report the following couple of days. They need to be healthy defensively, but I think you've got plenty of veterans here, plenty of young guys that are playmakers. It, it can be sustainable for quite a bit, but you need um, 
Bobby Slowick and CJ Stroud to gain some consistency. The most encouraging thing, I guess, because you mentioned Pep Hamilton, I don't know how many games it took, Robert, last season. Let's just talk about last season, because that's when you finally at least had some dudes that you knew were going to be a part of the future, right? Guys like Damian Pierce, um, you know, particularly on offense. How many games did we go before we saw a sustained drive? Like, like you had to get about three or four weeks into the season before you saw any semblance of like a rhythm with this offense. The fact that you saw it today earlier in the game, you know, where your quarterback, he's getting rushed. He's not seeing success. It looks like it's going to be a terribly long day for him. And you really started to kind of worry about his health because somebody's going to lay the wood if they get into the backfield and, the last guy you wanted it to be was Jadavian Clowney if he comes free again to put C.J. Stroud in the dirt. Stroud stayed calm, cool, collected. They sustained a drive. It only resulted in three points, but it extended the game, in my opinion, by at least a quarter because it gave your defense a chance to kind of relax, catch their breath, figure some things out schematically. And how huge was it late in the game where you felt like, you know what, last gasp before uh, I think it was the third to last series for the Texans offensively. D'Amico dialed up a hell of a pass rush, three straight downs. Lamar had trouble getting rid of the ball. They ended up sacking him. Uh, Will Anderson, that was the drive where he got his first sack. I mean, it was huge. And to me, that that doesn't happen if these guys are just blitzed and they're just gassed and they can't do it, right? Um so I think those are some kind of encouraging signs. You have a good foundation to build off of right here. Like you're frustrated. You don't want to talk about like, well, just going to take time. And maybe Sloic is a concern a little bit for you right now. Uh, the real concern is, is if they look like this, maybe a little worse next week. Okay. When they come home, that to me is when you should be concerned because anything outside of like an absolute dusting, a blowout today. Um, I don't think you could be really too upset with, um, and you wanted to come out as healthy as possible. And hopefully the Texans minus, you know, Jalen Petrie and uh, George Fant did. Yeah. Well, that's not, a, not, that's not as healthy as possible because all that is, is your starting right tackle and your veteran leader on, or not your veteran, but your young talented leader on defense, along with, you know, Jimmy Ward, who's your veteran leader on defense. Yeah. So those no, we guys, don't know. The, I don't, did they ever say what Fant's hurt with specifically? I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I haven't either. But you do know this. It's not soft tissue with Petrie. Okay. I mean, it's a lung. <laughs> but, you know, I, we've at least heard stuff like that before from players. And, you know, if he's out a week, then I, I guess you'll take it. But, um, yeah, just at least no soft tissue. And the Texans have been obliterated by soft tissue injuries in preseason so far. So um, the fact that you don't have any of those things to worry about is a good, is a good sign. Yeah, you asked about – you didn't think we saw a sustained drive last year until game three or four. First game of the season last year against the Colts, second quarter, they had a 14-play, 69-yard drive. That also ended up in a Kaimi Fairbairn field goal. So very similar drive, same quarter, the whole nine yards. So, uh, yeah. Shame on me for not remembering a field goal drive. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this that was all this drive was, was a field Good goal. Good job drive. looking it up. Did you actually look that up? Yeah, I just looked it up. Um, <laughs> also, uh you um, you could screw, you just screwed up that thing so we gotta we gotta uh, give you some props where you deserve the props you predicted the score the final would be twenty seven to thirteen a couple of days ago twenty five to nine so pretty much on the money with that yeah uh, if I was prices right I'd have the under right so well did you did you go to Vegas with that because that you you would have picked the uh, you would have had the Ravens in the spread 
yeah, I don't have any money. So no, <laughs> it takes money to make money. So I'm screwed on that, on that regard. But, uh, yeah, I just, it, it literally played out how I thought it would minus just my score prediction. Like the, the game was in within reach for the bulk of it. And it was just at the end of it, you were going to see that this was not as deep, not as talented of a group as the Ravens, nor should you have expected it to be. Um, maybe look, you, you could make the argument, the Texans, they should have benefited more earlier from the Ravens ill-disciplined play defensively. Certainly the nine penalties cost them 82 yards. Um, if you're going to, you know, hold Lamar Jackson to what you did in the first half, just running the football with the run defense and even him scrambling, you probably would have liked to at least put a touchdown on the board or another field goal in that instance. But that's the price you pay when you go for it, where you do on fourth and ones and you give up short fields to a Ravens team at home. It's difficult. They rolled the dice. They lost. We'll see how D'Amico and his team handle it going forward. Yeah, just a quick response to what you were saying about the game being close, it, yeah, you're within two touchdowns midway through the third. But once the Ravens scored those two touchdowns, with the way this offense looked, and the way that you know the the, the way they've looked the last two or three years, my, my feeling was that's when the game was over. So I, I just, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like this game. You can you could say the game because you could say most NFL games are close. Um, ninety-five percent of them are close. Uh, if you want to go by that factor, but I just didn't feel like the game was within reach once they scored that third touchdown and basically, you know, sort of put oh, the Texans in the insurmountable. It was it was going to be insurmountable. There's going to be a play, you know, that they make that it just it keeps it away. But um, yeah, don't compare anything that you see this year to the last two years because. I mean, it's just, it's different. They're actually trying to win this year. <laughs> They're not trying to do a damn thing the last two Well, years. no, no. They're, the players and the coaches, as we always say with this stuff, in the NFL, they're always trying to win. But, you know, well, it, yeah, it, it, was, just as, it was just as ugly to me. This on. game was just as ugly as the games last year. It felt just as hopeless a lot of times as last year. There was coaching that I thought was just as egregiously bad as I saw last year. Uh, I, I don't want to say – I'm not going to sit here in front of everybody on our show and say, look, man, this is totally different. I see totally different than last year. No, I don't, and 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 that's what I was hoping to see. I have well, hope because I do like more of the players. I think you have to acknowledge the coaching, the coaching saw. and the execution I don't like. And, yeah. and and we acknowledged good last year, but you weren't in the game. And when it, it you know, by the end of the, by the middle of the third quarter, you weren't in the game. And, and it's, I just, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give you a good pat on the butt. I'm not going to give the old D'Amico. Oh, we gave it a good college try and stay positive and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I want to see some better execution and I want to see some better coaching overall, not just, you know, this is not a player thing for me. This is about particularly the coaching and the execution. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the, you know, what we saw most improved maybe, and that's the run defense. I would just say the tenacity, the the consistent feeling that, you know what, this defense can make a play. 
even without Jalen Petrie on the field, it was just look at MJ Stewart, you know, making a play on Jackson, you know, um, be a Jackson, very careless with the football, you know, um, you did what you were supposed to do. You know, you give it an effort, you punch the ball out, you fall on it. Great job. Um, that that's an encouraging thing. Like you're always, if you're going to talk about the negative, you're always going to be able to like compare like, yeah, well, we saw this last year, this, that, the other thing last year, it's just about consistency. The first game, tough one on the road. If this becomes a common thread, then that's when I become concerned. That's when I become a little bit more frustrated um, because you have to then talk about a sample size that is increasing and not one that is just four quarters old at this point in time. Um, so I'm not concerned in that regard. It's just a lot of new going in. Your expectations were next to nothing to begin with. Um, and I think that being the case, you have to be encouraged with some things that you saw on both sides of the ball. Um, it's personnel an issue. The lack of personnel and issue, the way you're using or not using personnel and issue. Yeah, those are all similar things that we had problems with uh, for a long time last last season. Hell, I think it took to week eight before Damian Pierce was in a high leverage situation on a football field um, to make a play for you when it actually mattered. Um, Tank Dell's kind of a similar situation this year. They took D Damian Pierce out for at least a, a, a drive or two today, and it was like, man, you really need this guy out there. I've seen enough of Devin Singletary right now. Like, at least let me put somebody out there that can bowl somebody over and get some yak. Um, so I'm mean, like, yeah, those are those are issues. But let's see what this week looks like, what next week looks like, and then I kind of go from there. But um, I, I think definitely you got to be uh, you got to be you got to be looking at everybody right now if you're D'Amico Ryan's and even at himself. Um, it just I don't think it was near as bad as what it could have been. Uh, there's, at the end of the day, encouraging signs going forward. And I'm just glad this team, this organization's in a different place, on a different page, maybe in a different book than they've been in the last two or three years. Yeah, I'll just close it out by just totally disagreeing with Sean and saying it's not as bad Shocker. as it could, it could have been. To me, does, does no good for the Texans fans that have been watching this for the last three years. Not as bad as it could have been. It could have been worse the last two, many games the last two years, and it wasn't. That's not what we're aiming for. We're not aiming to end the broadcast every night on our live show saying it's not as bad as it could have been. And that's not what we're aiming for. But uh, we'll wrap it up. We'll, me and Sean will talk more uh, around the middle of the week, Wednesday or Thursday. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want to get more people in the comments after these games. We want to hear from you guys what you think. But if you if you didn't get a chance on the live show, Get in the comments on the on the recorded show uh, for sure, because uh, we will definitely uh, make a note of it. We'll bring it up if it's something worth bringing up, and we'll definitely uh, reply if it's something worth replying to. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll talk to you again really soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.